You're listening to an L.A. Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit lakings.com slash podcast. You're listening to the Rainy Day Podcast, the official podcast of the Ontario Rain, with your hosts, Cameron Close and Zach Dooley. Now, it's time to get in the pod. Hello again, everyone. Great guest for you today. We're, what, a week out from the NHL draft? Well, this is going to drop on Monday, so actually we're a day We're a day out. A day day out. Big, exciting stuff. Peter Budai, our guest today. I know everyone's excited about that. We're going to get through our first segment quick because the second segment, we got a fun game. We're going to be drafting out of the 2020 prospects that are on the NHL.com's list. So I think that's like top 300 or so we had to choose from maybe 300 North American, 300. 300 North American or so. And like another, maybe 150 European, maybe 50 more goalies. So there's a large pool. We have a large, large pool. We're drafting Zach and I are all draft name teams. So it's just based on the best names available in the draft. And if those guys get drafted by the Kings, we will find a way to get them on this show uh, one way or another. I don't know when it'll be, but it'll happen. I guess if they, yeah, we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. And if one of our draft team, one of our draftees gets picked, we'll, I'll give the other guy a dollar. I'll give Zach a dollar. If any of his gets picked by the Kings, he'll give me a dollar. Total of $5 could be made. A little, you know, a little something, uh, some scratch on this, Zach. So, but before we get to that, I uh, want to break down just the Stanley Cup. It's awarded. Uh, it's, it's over. Congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, storylines, they get to win one. Stamkos gets to hoist it. Pat Maroon wins two in a row with two different teams. That's always kind of cool to see uh, different players. Uh, no booze for Bettman. Did you think that they might do it with the game presentation, like actually do booze for him? I thought that they might. It's just such a tradition at this point. You know, they boo Bettman despite, you know, how really well he's done as of late. Um, it'd be tough to boo the guy after all he did, like getting the return to play done and how well it was executed. And I thought, I remember, you remember watching the NFL draft when they piped in the booze for Goodell and he tried to play it up. It was so cringeworthy when they did it there, but I guess that just depends. Like, is it a matter of, you know, Goodell's not as quite as charismatic maybe as Batman is, or is it just yeah. cringeworthy in general when they try I, to, to do it? Goodell isn't a human sometimes in my opinion, whereas Gary Bettman kind of knows how to play the crowd a bit to an extent, you know, he's still a commissioner. They're all they're, You got to be kind of quirky to be in that, in that position, I would say, or you, you have to balance so many personalities and players and owners and, co- and general managers, whatever. Um, but he seems to handle it better. Like he usually has a good line when they do boom at the draft or at the cup. Like, I love your passion. Like he's got, you know, he's got his little Garyisms. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he could have handled it well, but you know what, you're right. Like if it could have been cringy and, and so it's probably good uh, that they didn't do that at all. Great to see. I liked how he pulled everybody over for the picture because it's kind it's of cool. That's cool. Very unique. I love seeing Stamkos lifted. I don't care that he only played like two minutes. Um, I loved that. I think it's great when great players win the Stanley Cup and Stamkos is a great player. It was great when Ovechkin won it. Um, great players should win and it's good for the game. A lot of great players won this cup, which is really cool on Tampa Bay, which means a lot of great players on Dallas didn't. But I mean, we've talked about it. You know, Stamkos is a guy that you feel like most people were kind of rooting for to win one just because he seems like a like a good guy. And he's a really good player who played with one franchise. You can respect that. You know, Victor Hedman's not maybe hasn't been in the league quite as long, but still, you know, 
an elite player. You know, Kucherov's an elite player. Braden Point's an elite player. So you, you see a lot of really good players. You know, that yeah, and and they're all great players. And so so is you know, Joe and they're Pavelski. all draft picks. They're all sure. draft picks. All draft picks, cool. which is really cool. Joe Pavelski is a great player, but I don't put Joe Pavelski in the realm that I have Stamkos in. If Stamkos went down without winning one, to me, that's like a Ginla, or um, who else is a, somebody who left the league without winning one? Potentially like a Joe Thornton. Potentially Joe Thornton. He's in that. He's in there with me. And you need that echelon of player to win. It's just a necessity. Like it, it just stinks when they don't. I wish Jerome Ginla had won one somewhere just because of the player that he was. Pavelski's um, like Joe Thornton. Went he's not. A, he's not on that level. I agree. He's just like a does things the right way kind of guy. Right. You'd like to see him win. And you know his his production in the playoffs was was really good. So you know you're bummed that a guy like that doesn't get one. But I mean, like you said, there's so many good players in the lightning that were able to win. They were the best team. Let's see. What else? Do they get the cup for a day? It's a good question. Do they get there? You'd imagine that they do, but I mean, how are they transporting it? You know, right. are they is flying internationally? Like a lot of European players on that team, you'd imagine might go home. Um, will they get their, their day with the cup? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like, We'll see when the next season starts. I feel like you've got to start giving it out and you just got to go by seniority. Um, there's going to be a lot of guys that don't get it. Probably. Especially, I mean, the summer's half the length, right? Maybe right. not half, but I mean, depending on when the season does start, if it's on time, I mean, there's there's only going to be a little bit of time before they're back for camp. So um, we'll have to see how that goes. That'll be interesting. Broadcaster wise, I, I try not to do too much broadcaster talk, but Rick Peckham, incredible career guy goes out winning the foster hewitt and then a stanley cup that's kind of the the broadcaster dream right there he announced his retirement before the playoffs he announced it before the season and then he gets to end that way so it's not like he knew all right this team's awesome they're going to go on a long run obviously everybody knew they were good but he announced it before the season wins the foster hewitt award and then wins the stanley cup that's a pretty good storyline quite a way way to go out yeah yeah that's uh, the Mark Recchi right there. And then uh, now, Zach, the draft and free agency is a day away. So that's uh, different than usual. I would say. Pretty exciting. I mean, for especially for the teams who have been like the Kings, who have been waiting and waiting, haven't played since March, have been enjoying the hockey as we have, but waiting for some news about their team. Now it's the time for Kings fans. You know, they have the draft coming up, two-day event. The Kings have a ton of picks. Then there's the qualifying offers of restricted free agents, which will impact the Kings in the rain. And then there's free agency. So what a week for kind of jumping back into things. There hasn't been a ton of news in the Kings rain realm as of late. Now there is. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. It kind of stinks for the, the management teams of both Dallas and Tampa. Like you were in the Stanley <laughs> Cup, and especially Tampa where at least Dallas, you're like, all right, let's, let's move on. Let's move let's on. Get to this, something. Yeah. Tampa's like, can we celebrate for another day before I got to turn my attention to this? You wonder how much time a GM was truly even spending on the, the Stanley cup, right? Like his job's kind of done at that point, maybe a little yeah. bit here and there, but you have, like, obviously he's so invested in it, but he's, his big duties are probably not even the cup at that point. Right. Right. You wonder what Steve Eiserman's thinking right now. Uh, he kind of put that team together and, uh, yeah. and obviously left to go back to hometown. I think he's focused on uh, getting the state of Michigan to ban income tax. So that yes. way he can sign all these players <laughs> to long-term deals. I think that's his main focus at the moment. He's in the legislation trying to pass that law. He's a lobbyist. Okay. Yep. Um, okay. Again, I said we're going to go quickly here in the first segment. The bingo card is coming out today. Now, again, it's it's 
what what do we record Thursday right now? So I, I the plan is the bingo cards out today. Thanks again to McElroy for putting this thing together, our graphics guy, a good friend of the program. Um, and it's gonna be great. Check it out. I'm saying that without seeing it, but I know the work he puts out. You're gonna have a bingo card for the draft, and uh, I don't know if we win. There's just gonna be one card, so if if it wins, then we'll say we all win. And I don't know what it'll be. Another rainy day podcast, a brand new. We as one, the rainy day podcast will win. So, recurring guest, uh, Peter Budai. I guess before we started calling it the rainy day podcast, he joined us, so we'll call him a first time guest. But a recurring guest. Let's uh, take a listen. Peter Budai is a former Ontario Rain goaltender and longtime NHLer, and uh, maybe fan favorite. Uh, amongst the rainy day podcast listeners Andy joins us now Peter how are you I'm doing well how are you guys we're doing well did you catch the Stanley Cup final last night you saw your uh your old club the Tampa Bay Lightning take it home in six games yeah I did you know I was watching the games and uh, you know I was kind of you know kind of interesting to hold the bubble thing and everything else it must be really difficult for the players and for everybody else but I felt like uh the quality of the hockey was great even though there was such a big gap in between, uh, you know, the regulation season and everything else, I think that they just did a tremendous job with all the all the organization, and I think the guys step up and they play really well hockey. The hockey was great, and it was just a very good series. I felt like uh, Tampa and Dallas was uh, was fun to watch, and it was really really cool. Well, we'll definitely get into that a bit more, but before we do, I want to ask you: Would you rather? And Zach, you'll be uh, involved in this too, of course. All right, would you rather? never have to tip again at a restaurant. Now, when I say that, like the waiter is still, or the waitress is still going to get a tip. They're going to get a hefty tip, 25%, but it's not going to come out of your pocket. It's going to come out of like some tip, but we'll say like Jeff Bezos's bank account, like someone who doesn't care. It's not, but it's not your money. You just never have to worry about it again. Or you never have to wait in any line for food or wait for a reservation or like any dining experience you get in there no matter the restaurant you're walking right in i would definitely rather not wait i think the the whole waiting thing in the restaurants it's it's uh it's really difficult especially if you go to restaurants they're supposed to be good restaurants and there's no reservation you have to just go in walk in and wait and that just absolutely killing me <laughs> all right that's a pretty quick response zach is it is it as clear cut for you it's a debate for me. I'm going to go the other way. I think I'm going to go with the no tip. You know, the, the waiters and waitresses being taken care of is good. You know, they get their money from somewhere that's not me. I get to pay what my meal actually costs, which is nice. And for me, you know, usually when you go out, you kind of, if there's a wait, you just go across the street. You know, where, where we live in El Segundo, there's a lot of places that are close walking distance. And I'm usually not tied to one place. So, you know, if there's a wait at one place, we'll just go to go somewhere else and have a good meal there. Okay. Yeah. I want to, I want to say something towards this if I can. Um, so I'm looking at it from a different perspective about the tipping and I, I agree with uh, uh, Bill's about that. You know, it's uh, uh, I come from Europe and in Europe you don't have to tip. It's totally up to a person. Uh, so the tip or whatever, everything is included to the price. So when you get a, you know, price, you can just pay it and leave. Uh, as uh, you know, as he was saying, you know, it's um, it's something that is already included and in everything else, but it's up to you, depending on what kind of service you have, do you want to tip or no, that is completely up to a person. 
So in Europe, at least where I'm from, Slovakia, we do not have that, you know, 20%, 18%, whatever. We don't have those things. So, um, you know, I, I, I agree with his thing. I just can't stay waiting. I, I, don't, I don't like waiting. <laughs> yeah, I, I think yeah, I would take me. the no waiting too, just because if you're out with a large group of people, you're the man. If you're like, guys, I, we're not going to wait. But yeah. we're right here. So I think I would take it for that sole reason. I will say with the tipping, I have had to take a good hard look at myself in the mirror over this quarantine thing about tipping for takeout and things like that. I'm a 10% takeout guy. I think that's pretty fair. Maybe 15, depending on the price of it, depending on if I'm paying cash or card or whatever. But I have trouble tipping 20% for takeout. In a restaurant, by all means. Takeout, I've really had to challenge myself there. I don't know about where you guys are. Do you tip takeout? I agree. I think the takeout, when you come to a restaurant and just take the food, I don't think they did as hard of a job as if they would really, you know, ask you, what would you like, you know, bring everything up, you know, all that, you know, the the whole the full Monty that they have to do when, when you're sitting at the restaurant. So I completely right. agree. Five to 10%, I think it's, it's plenty. I think but it's that's plenty. just my opinion. Uh, yeah. Just my opinion. I, everybody goes, you know, what they feel like. You know, I've seen a lot of very rich people not tip and i've seen a lot of not very rich people tip a lot so it, it depends what you believe in i think I'm the with one you thing guys. I, yeah the, the one thing i don't believe in is those ipads that they turn around and it tells me like what do you want to tip and it, it's like for a cup of coffee or something like that at a, at a small sh- it's like well nothing <laughs> so generally i'd go zero on those those things drive me crazy um Exactly. That's, that's when you look. I, I was a I was a Dunkin' Donuts employee in college. Those the cents, if you just round up, goes a long way for the employees there. So I I've been in that. I've been on the other side of the counter there. So I always will. If I'm paying with cash, I always leave the change. Sometimes throw a dollar in there. So I do always tip at the coffee places. It's a personal cause for me. That's um, fine. That's they, they, it goes goes further than you'd think. You know when oh. you when you work there. But I, just, I don't like when they kind of like. Uh, subconsciously force you into tipping when exactly. you get the right. bill right. and they have right. on the bottom, they have, this is 15, this is 18, this is 20. And they're pretending that you don't know the math, but they're doing it. So they remind you, Hey, I want the tip. Exactly. I don't like that. I, I mean, I'll still tip, but I just don't like when somebody is kind Good of, point. you know, like saying, Hey, you know, by the way, you know, if you don't know your math, this is the 20% from the price. I'm like, if you don't know that, then you shouldn't be sitting in a restaurant. Exactly. Don't make you can't me do a math feel... of 20%. That's ridiculous. I can do that's the right. math. Don't do make math. me feel uncomfortable about it. Don't put that exactly. on me. If I want to tip you, I'll tip you. If I don't, well, better luck with the next guy. All right. So in retirement, Peter Budai, what have you been doing? How's it been? Do you miss playing? Let's just get into all oh, that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it has been it has been pretty great, you know, spending more time with my kids and my family, my wife, uh, you know, and having some uh, some time off, you know, really, uh, it's fun. Obviously, you know, uh, body feels good, you know, a little bit a little bit less beat up. But I think uh, I missed the game, you know, I missed uh, missed camaraderie in the dressing room, and you know, every time I, you know, when there's off season, you know, you don't kind of think about it as much. But when the season starts, you know, you see your you know buddy still playing and everything else, it, it gets pretty hard. But you know, it's. Uh, it's part of the journey, you know. I think every part of the journey has a beginning and the end, you know, and it's, it's just a, the way it goes. But, you know, I've been uh, I've been trying to keep busy. I'm trying to stay in hockey. You know, I've been in some hockey camps and goalie camps. You know, I I have my own like website, Budai Blockers, and I do some consulting there for people to send me videos and 
I also do, um, you know, privates, clinics, uh, wherever I can. You know, I just enjoy being on the ice. You know, I can, uh, you know, I mean, uh, get the, getting the ice is kind of difficult. But, you know, I think that that's the part of, uh, part of the game is growing and everybody wants to play. And uh, hockey's um, really on upscale. You know, a lot of people want to play or want to get in there, especially in the States. And that's just great. You know, obviously Canada and, and everything else is different. You know, the, the hockey always been the number one sport here, but we're here with the states where you have so many sports, other sports that you, you know, want to be part of, you know, baseball, football, basketball, you know, hockey was always taking a backseat to those sports, but not anymore. I feel like a lot of kids and a lot of parents are trying to get involved with that. You know, I think the, the only drawback is the, uh, is the equipment, you know, I think can get pretty pricey for the kids and, you know, especially with not um, really well-off families, you know, it's difficult and, uh, you know, that's something that, you know, I think USA Hockey is trying to kind of help out with maybe a gear and uh, maybe borrowing a gear. But then, you know, the COVID hit and everything else, you can't borrow gear and everything else. So uh, there are obstacles there for sure. But I think it just, it's just great to see the hockey's growing really hard. And, you know, you see a lot of, uh, you know, I do goalie schools and a lot of young goalies wants to be good and they watch the hockey. They love it. They enjoy it. You know, so it's just, it's just great to see. Was there ever a point? in your retirement where you legitimately thought about maybe trying to come back, whether, you know, it was, <laughs> or was it kind of uh, like, I'm done? Definitely that. Uh, it, it's hard to say. It wasn't like, I want to come back more like, I wish I would never quit. You know, that that's, you know, that never ended. It's not like I quit, but never ended, you know, and I, and I know that I was already at 37 and everything else was, you know, a little bit more difficult, but, you know, I felt like I could have still played maybe in Europe. So maybe those things kind of uh, got in my head. But then on the other side, you know, I look at, you know, is it worth to go a few more years to play for my own beneficial things, you know, so I feel good. But, you know, my family has to be uh, relocated, you know, start over, new school, new kids, new friends, uh, new environment and everything else. So that was always really tough. And I think when I look at it from that perspective, I don't, I don't, um, I don't regret the decision that I had to stop playing. You know, I think that it was the right choice for my family to be around them and, and try to be around my kids and help them with their um, hockey and school and be around my wife more and stuff like that. So I think that's, uh, that was a good choice for me. I think. You know, you mentioned you, you're not fully removed from the game. And last year we saw you at a number of rain practices on the ice with the team whenever they might need you. Did you ever think like, you yeah, know, maybe one of these days they'll let me suit up and maybe, you know, maybe there's going to be a call up and I'm going to be that, that, uh, that PTO uh, out there perhaps. I, it would be fun. I would definitely be fun. You know, you know, I, I enjoy, uh, I enjoy the, the atmosphere, you know, the, the battle, uh, the competitiveness of the sport. Um, you know, the, to go out there and give it all and, you know, sitting in dressing room afterwards, you know, tired, but, you know, satisfied with, you know, uh, that you gave everything you got, you know, those things always cross your mind and I just love the game. So it's, it definitely was really cool when I was able to skate at least one practice there with the, with the rain there, you know, after the, I think it was an all-star break for uh, American Hockey League and uh, right after, you know, I think Stasi gave uh, a couple guys off because they, they, they played and everything else. So I, I think Cal was off, so I went on the ice, and it was really, really fun. I think it was it was super fun to be on the ice with the kids and with the guys, and and um, be involved again. So it was it was really fun, you know. But you know, suiting up, you know, <laughs> more responsibility too. But you know, because you want to do well and everything else, so you would have to be more prepared. You know, I don't think that I was in the best shape of my life. Best shape of my life. I think that um, uh, you know, I tried to keep healthy and strong, but it's never as good of a shape when I, when I played. So that would be definitely something that if that would happen, that I would have to pick it up on. 
Let's take you back a little bit further. Last game, you know, you played with the rain, uh, that home game uh, in April, 2018, uh, you got to, you know, share that moment with your wife and kids. You had your kids out there with you before the game. You had a little moment after the game. What was that experience like for you, you know, to go out in that way? Yeah, uh, it was, it was special. You know, I didn't, I didn't think that you guys going to do such a great thing for me and I really appreciate it. I still keep talking about it. You know, I didn't think that that's going to happen, you know, and, uh, the team and organization did such a cool thing for me, you know, a video that, uh, you know, the, the players and even the opposing players, you know, they were very awesome with that. And I was just, it was just really, really cool and something they're going to, uh, I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. It was really cool. And having my kids there, I know they were already at the age that they remembered. So that was great. And uh, just the whole thing that uh, done for me, you know, it was really humbling for me. And I, I, I really appreciate everybody who was involved doing that. It was just uh, just a great and I'm very thankful for that so it was very special you know to be able to share those moments you know I think that uh, uh, it was such a big part of my life uh, till that point that you know it, it was my life you know I think that I played hockey since I was five so it was really special for me to uh, uh, to experience that so it was really cool. You when you practice with the rain to go back to that you um it was right around the All Star break. Were you? Was Martin Furk on the ice? You know where he was go not. With I I saw him the night before when he had 109, and you know I talked to Cal and all the other guys, and they said he shoots really, really, really hard. And uh, I'm glad that he wasn't on out there. You know, I think so you I, never I, had to face one of his shots. Uh, then. I I think I played I played against him. Uh, you know, when he was in Detroit, you know, we had a couple games that I played against yeah. him. Yeah, he, he definitely has a really, really heavy shot, and you know, just have to be extra ready for that. And, uh, you know, it's just those shots when uh, they kind of, uh, you know, maybe hit you in the neck or in the shoulders. And <laughs> on the spots, there's more more painful. But I guess even if it hits you in the glove, you still feel it. So he's, uh, he's got a tremendous shot. So it's, it's Well, cool. you played against a lot of a lot of top guys, like your yeah. countrymen, Zdeno Chara. You must have played against yeah. Shea Weber. Who's got the – who had the hardest shot? Maybe not uh, by miles an hour, but for you. Like, what did you experience? Uh, well, I think the big Z, obviously, he's got an absolute bullet, you know. But it's it's funny you can ask the goalies there. It's different kind of shots. Like you know, you can have a heavy shot, you can have a very fast shot. It doesn't sound that. Nah, what are you, what is he talking about? It's very different. You know, I think for me, Shea Weber was just more, a uh, uh, little bit more heavier than Zdeno. I think Zdeno has a really really heavy shot, and obviously even faster than Shea Weber. But Shea Weber is maybe there right away, and pretty much the same same. Um, same shot so it's just uh it's just a thing how the goalies see it you know I think that Che Weber for me was a little bit harder to stop uh you know he has a as hard a shot as Deno but I think that um the technique is a little different I think Deno used more power because he's so strong but Che Weber I think his technique is amazing you know it's just one of those techniques uh when when he slaps the puck you don't even hear the puck slapping the stick just somehow kind of get off there without even you know when people shoot slap shots sometimes you hear that big clunk when the, when the just so you can get kind of more ready you know with him it was more he has such a good technique so whenever he hit that puck it was so smooth that you know it was hard to kind of know when the release point is coming you know i think a uh, similar shot but not as hard as steven stamkos when he shoots that one time where he he's really uh, you really don't hear the puck hitting the stick and i think that's uh, uh that can be even more harder on a goal I remember they used to let Zdeno go out in the shootouts. Like probably, it was probably like eight or nine years ago. And he used to just tee up from like the hash marks. As a goaltender in the shootout, how do you handle 
like at least with the deke, you're waiting for the player to make their move. With the slap shot, are you just standing there and, and hoping? Ah, uh, you have to react. You know, I think that it's hard to react if he does it from like you know six feet out. You know, it's kind of impossible to react. But it's also it's also for him is very difficult to uh, be super accurate with it. I think the wrist shot. Uh, that's why it's more popular. You see more goals in NHL being scored with a wrist shot than everything else because of the accuracy. You know, I think at that point. You know, the goalies are big. They're in a good position usually. So, you know, to beat them with the slap shot, you still have to hit the corner and make it a good shot. Or if you have a hard enough shot, sometimes the goal trickles through the five hole or underneath the arm or something like that. But I think, um, you know, I, I experienced that one time there was a guy, well, a couple of times I think, um, Brian Rolston used to go down and shoot slappers and he had absolute bullet too. And, uh, you know, that, that one was hard. Um, but, I think uh, Semin he used to play in Washington, Russian guy, and he went down in Montreal against me, and he shot a bar down slap shot from like maybe at hash marks, and it was a ball I couldn't even move. I was like, oh my goodness, and everybody was like, well, that's kind of I'm like it's it's a great play. He can hit it, man. Good for him. You know, that's just sometimes you have to tilt the head and just say, you know, great job, just amazing. So, what are you gonna do, right? What are you? Well, he hit you. Well, you're yeah, in a good yeah. position. Yeah. <laughs> hit, hit your bar down, you know, I don't think you can say much. <laughs> um, so looking at, you know, the, the Stanley Cup final, you were goalie partners for a bit with Andre Vasilevsky, kind of in Tampa Bay when he was transitioning from a prospect into the goalie that we see today. And you know, what, was, what was he like to play with? And was it cool to watch him, you know, as he grew into, you know, this elite, you know, all-star caliber goalie? Well, yeah, absolutely. I don't want to take anything away from anybody else, but I think at the moment, I think he's the best goalie in the game. And he also has the best team in the game. But that doesn't take anything away from him, how good he is, how, how big of a save uh, he can make at the right time and to, to help the team to win a game and to keep them in the game, to keep them close. And, and that's, he's the backbone of that team. And the team is playing way, way different when uh, you can ask any player, when, when they can trust a goalie that makes the save to keep the team in the game. The team is more relaxed and can just focus on what they're supposed to do. And that's just great. And I think Bassey is just a great guy. Uh, uh, very, very great professional. Um, dedicated to the game. Uh, works hard. Works extremely hard all the time. In practice, you know, uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't waste time. He's not just standing there. He actually tries hard and practice as he tries hard in the game. And that's just great to see such a young goaltender, very mature, uh, mentally, um, mentally very mature. It, it doesn't phase him much, you know, stuff that happened. You know, he's just absolute focus. And, and uh, you know, I uh, when I play with him, you know, I kind of saw uh, the goalie that he can become. He was already great, but, you know, he keeps getting better with every year. Um, you know, and I, it's uh, it's good for him. You know, he deserves it because he, he puts effort and time and, and uh, his attitude is just tremendous. So I have nothing else to say except great words about him. And I think the people that know him, he's just a great guy, good guy. But he, he's such a professional that like a lot of young kids should take a, take a, take a page out of his book about how to be professional, you know, not just, you know, sometimes, not just when you feel like it, but all the time, you know, the way, uh, small things, the way he eats, the way he prepares, the way he stretches, the way he works out, the way he skates on the ice. It's just something that the young kids should definitely take into consideration when they play him or know him or are on the ice with him because he, he motivates the other guys to, to be better uh, just from the point of, you know, the way he works and the way he prepares, you know, he's a, he's a trophy winner and 
great goalie, you know, he, he's, uh, he's Stanley Cup winner. And, you know, I guarantee you, you know, he'll be the first guy on the ice and he'll be skating hard and, you know, trying to get better and better every day, you know, because he, he's just a competitor and he's just a great player. Tampa Bay isn't the most traditional hockey market, but now they have two Stanley Cups. They, they have a very solid fan base, obviously. Uh, what was it like playing there? How, how did it differentiate? To, I mean, you played in Montreal, which is one of the meccas of hockey. You played in Los Angeles, which has a strong history, and then Colorado a little different. You know, how, how was Tampa Bay? Tampa Bay was great. You know, I think a lot of people think because it's in Florida, and, you know, unfortunately, Florida Panthers doesn't have this uh, this following as much as Tampa, but Tampa, you know, the the stuff that the owner, Mr. Venick, does for for the city, for the for the people, uh, brings people together, brings people to cheer for their team, and and uh, it's just uh, really I was very surprised when I went there that it was it was always sold out. They always had the things going for the fans. They always people, you know, it's the number one team in number one team in Tampa is hockey. You know, there's uh, you know. You would not believe that, but compared to the football, you know, the box and, and you know, the, I think, uh, Temple of the Devil Rays and everything else, I think hockey is number one uh, by far. Uh, they just love hockey there. And, then, you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of support by the fans and a lot of support by community. And the, the, the owner is doing such an amazing job with the community that everybody loves, um, you know, the team and the owner. And, you know, I think it's just, I think the, the the business they have going on it's amazing because obviously yeah the tickets are not as expensive as let's say Montreal or New York or everything else but uh, he he's building the community from from down from ground up and that's really strong because that's what you need when you support it you can see it you're gonna see it when there's gonna be a parade in the city you know I think it's gonna be slammed and it's gonna be great. You had some good years there so maybe this will factor in but did you like playing in Montreal? I did yeah Montreal was awesome you know I think that. Uh, yeah, we always joke around, you know, guys, sometimes if you can't get up for the game in Montreal, doesn't matter if you play for a home team or away team, the atmosphere is so electrifying that you you just, it doesn't matter. Like, it's just, as you said, it's a make of hockey, you know, I think, and it's just with so much tradition there, uh, so much support by the fans, so much expectations from not just the organization, but the fans as it is, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of pressure, but it's a good pressure, you know, it's something that you as an athlete, as a competitor thrive on you know you enjoy that moment you enjoy to be in the pressure moments last minute of the game you want to be on the ice you want to be that guy you want the puck you know you don't want to hide in a corner that's why you play hockey that's uh, that's what you uh, grew up you know dreaming about you know to be the guy in the game seven Stanley Cup finals you know uh, overtime stuff like that you want to be on the ice you want to be that guy so I think the Montreal really brings that best out of you sometimes that can be really hectic on a young guy's uh, because there's a lot of up and downs, like ups and lows, and, you know, in the, uh, in the city, you know, you win the games and, you know, everything is great and you start losing and, and because of the expectations of you, because of the tradition there, because of the, the hockey culture in Montreal and in Canada, it can be really difficult for, for the young kids to keep their head calm and just keep going and, you know, kind of be even keel so you don't get too high, too low at the moments that, uh, there's definitely chances to be too high or too low. Do you speak French at all, Boots? No. I know one word, one sentence, and it says, I don't speak French, and I apologize. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever, like, yeah, that's, that ever uh, that's like, like, was that, you know, what's that? It's not, did that ever cause you any problems? Like, you know, with, they, they always, like, uh, 
coach speaks French. You know, is there any like expectation with the well, players there? I would say the coach has to speak French because of the media. I think that's, uh, you know, because of the, the, the French language is, I would say, the number one there. It's not, the, it's not English, French, it's French, English. So that's why they, they want to they wanna relate to the, to the people, to the, to the fans and everything else. And I know the basic words. So when, when we spoke French, I, you know, I forgot about it by now because it was, it was like eight years ago. But, and I haven't speak, spoken French by since then. But, uh, you know, when I was there, just the easy stuff like, hi, how are you? How is it going? You know, just like little things. And, and I think all those people, the French people that they not expect you to speak French, but at least try. And I think if they, if they see your effort, they're going to be, you know, they're happy about that. You know, it's just the same thing if you go to any other country. It doesn't have to be Quebec or anywhere. You know, we shouldn't expect to everybody speaks English. You know, we should try. And I'm not saying we're going to make mistakes. We should try to, you know, um, to honor their culture and everything else. And at least few words, at least some kind of words that you're not just going to be completely, you know, um, kind of like not thinking about it. Yeah, just, you guys should speak English. You know, I think it's good, you know, wherever you wherever you play to learn the native language. It's like, you know, if I would come from Slovakia and, and people would start talking to me in English, I'd be like, man, no, I'm going to speak Slovak. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not the same. You know, I think that's important to kind of uh, appreciate where you're playing and where you are, the country, the nation, the culture, and you, you try the best you can. I found it interesting. They had two American captains, right? They had Gianta and then Pacioretty. So I guess if you can get through that, then you can uh, you can be okay if the goalie doesn't speak French, yeah. right? <laughs> That's something. Um, yeah, well, absolutely. But I think there was more more spotlight on Kerry Price. Than <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Maybe, maybe just just a tad. Uh, let's uh, yeah. let's talk about you know maybe let, let's do the old, old like job interview. Where do you see yourself in five years? Do you think you're still in the uh, in the industry here? Do you think or, like what what do you see yourself doing with this retirement once maybe we get back uh, uh, to a normal hockey schedule? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough schedule. Uh, it's a tough tough thing right now. You know, I definitely wanna wanna be involved with hockey somehow, maybe with the youth, and uh, you know, maybe if I get any opportunity, you know, um, being coach, you know, on like maybe a professional level as a goalie coach or you know, college or something like that. I would definitely like to see me there, see see myself there because I enjoy the game. I like to be around the hockey, and and I think that's uh, that's something that I would like to do. You know, it's it's difficult. There's many many people out there that wants to do the same thing as me, and you know, just have to, you know, work hard and, um, you know, uh, see if there's an opportunity and somebody would like to give me a chance and, you know, stuff like that. So I think that's something that I would like to be involved with the camps, you know, growing the goaltender position. You know, I think it's the most uh, advanced position in the last, I would say, 15 years. You know, when you look at the goalies now and long goalies back there, you know, I think the, the athleticism and everything else, because the game is changing, becoming so much faster than it used to be, I think goalies have to adapt and, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I would like to be a part of the part of the growth. You know, I think that would be really cool. Being a goalie coach is so, like, specialized too, right? Like, it's not like you're working with a full team. You're really working with, you know, one, two, three guys at a time. And it's a little bit more of a personal relationship than it is, you know, on, on like a management level in some ways. You know, you had some good coaches over the years. And, you know, I guess I'm wondering, like, when you work with these young goalies, like, what are you trying to – to work with them on and do you think you could kind of do the same thing if you were working with say like professional goaltenders uh it's a little different you know i think that goaltender position is uh is definitely uh it's a little more challenging for the young goalies to become in their own you know i think that 
the, the, the save the movement is very, uh, your body's not prepared for that. You know, you have to learn, you know, when you have a young goalie, like a 10, 11, 12, 13 year old goalies, they, it's a big difference when you have a 12 year old, 13 year old goalie. You know, so you can't do the same drills. You know, I think, I think you, um, you don't want to think about the, much of the mental game uh, when you're that young. You definitely should start slowly when you're like 13, 14, you know, games and, you know, expectations and everything else. But it's it's very specific. As you said, you know, over my career, I had really good goalie coaches. Uh, Billy Ranford or Dustin, obviously. Uh, you know, all these guys that I remember, you know, Jean-Franz in, in Tampa. And, you know, we had uh, Stefan White in uh, Montreal. They were all great. And, you know, it just... Uh, the big thing is the mental aspect with the professionals is the key. I think once you get to professional level, um, we all know that you are, once you get either drafted or become an American Hockey League player or the NHL player, we all know that you have a physical ability of playing the game. It just comes down to your mental aspect of the game. You know, the physical ability, you can do little tweaks and everything else, but at that, at that, by that time, I think you're already – you you should know your strength and your strengths and your weaknesses and just the maturity of the goalies they they mature a little bit later than players um, because of the amount of games that they play the goalie cannot play 82 games uh, so I think that maturity comes with the age uh, that's why you try to you know try to help them in a younger age to prepare for that you know to try to understand your strength play to your strengths you know don't try to play I see a lot of times that the young goalies they they try to play. Um, uh, you know, in LA, like Jonathan Quick, in Tampa, like Vasilevsky, in Montreal, they like to play like Harry Price. And it, it's not bad, obviously, because these are the, you know, top goalies in the NHL. It's just uh, you have to understand uh, your capabilities uh, uh, as, a, as a person, what you can do and what you can't do. You know, that's why there's only one under Vasilevsky, one Harry Price, one uh, Jonathan Quick. You know, you can't play like Quickie because your body doesn't allow you to do that. So you have to take what he uses and if it works for you and you can do it without getting hurt or anything like that, use it. But then use your own strength. You know, like, uh, you know, once you get there, as I said, you become, um, you're already there, but that's just the first step. Now you have to uh, use what the team, you know, trust that you can use. And they're not picking you because you play like Terry Price. They're picking you because you play like you. And they see a potential in you, in your own uh, capabilities. So I think it's very important for the young goalies to to try to play to their strengths and not try to like just bluntly copy, you know, paper cut certain goalies because that's that's not who they are. You know, that's why you have so many different styles of goalies from Lundqvist to, to Quickie, you know, you know, from more positional goalie to more athletic goalie. You know, everybody's different. So I think, you know, you would have a different approach to the game and a goalie coaching as a, as a professional or as a junior coach. We saw it a lot in the early rounds of the playoffs, maybe less in the, in the final, obviously. Um, but there's just so many good goalies now. Do you think we're trending towards an NHL where it's almost a 50-50 split on most of the teams, where it's, there isn't a number one guy? Zach and I have, have uh, had that conversation on this show at length uh, before. It's a, you know what, uh, me as a goalie, as a, as a, uh, as a past goalie in the NHL, it's a, so not a bad idea, but it's uh, it's pretty decent. But I think it's very important for uh, people to understand that you know at that crucial time you gotta have a number one goalie in my opinion. You gotta have a guy that you go with. You know it's great to have a goalie that you can give your 
you know, the top guy arrest. But at the point, you know, even look at look at Vegas Golden Knights. They had a great two goals. And um, by the time, the last games and everything else, you know, Leonard was playing more of the games, even though Flower is an amazing goal. He's a Hall of Famer, possibly, and everything else. So it's it's very difficult to to split all the time and to split completely, um, you know, these things. So uh, it's something to maybe consider. But, you know, if you ask goalies, I think it's better to, you know, um, to know who's going to be playing, not just go back and forth. You know, you play game six, then like up finals, you lose in game seven, you don't play, you lose one nothing. It's it's difficult on the goalies, you know. What is your stance on goalies playing back-to-backs? You know, is it is it very dependent on the goalie, or do you think it's it's pretty good to have, you know, when you have a back-to-back, like there were in this playoffs kind of for the first time in a while, you know, is it good to split those back-to-back games up? Uh, it depends. You know, I think that I played where you split. I played where the goalie played in both games and their number one played both games. And uh, it just depends on uh, either coaching and also the goalie. Uh, I think in this playoffs, you see more, you know, number two goalies getting a chance to step in the game is because of the, because of the big gap in between playing regular season and playoffs. You have to have the both goalies ready. It was kind of like a mixture of, you know, preseason first 10, 15 games of the season, but also, those 10, 15 games didn't have to be there if you don't win the first two. So it's a very difficult aspect for the for the coaching and for the organization because they have to be ready for both goalies. And if you just ride the first goalie and God forbid he gets hurt, the goalie that you're putting in hasn't seen the ice for six months. Uh, you know, it's it's very difficult to um, um, to organize that. Uh, that's why I felt like there was less. Like there was more opportunities and more switching between number one, number two goalie, and just go back and forth because of the because of the concept that was happening right now with the whole COVID and the bubble and everything else. I think that that was the main reason because you know I think uh, at the end of the day uh, you I feel personally that the team needs to know who is your number one goalie who's not. I think that it's very difficult to for the team to kind of keep them guessing. You know, some goal, some goalie coach, some coaches likes to do that. You know, keep the goalies guessing. Yes, on one hand, yes, it's kind of like you both goalies are ready, but you know, every goalie can tell you if you don't know if you're playing or not, you don't prepare yourself the same way, even though you try, but you still have that in the back of your head that you're not playing. That's why they usually tell the number one goalie, "Hey, you're gonna be playing here, 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 here. And then you might get a rest here, you might get a rest here, you might get a rest here. We'll see what's gonna happen." That's why the goalies knows what's going on. And um, I think that's that's very important. I got one final one for you um, to change the subject. How many how many sets of goalie pads do you have you know, right you, now? You, you have way too many. Career. Way too many. My wife wants to get rid of them, but I don't. Want like, to. like how many? Uh, give, me, give me an estimate. Um, I have like seven right now. <laughs> so just like sitting so, in the garage, kind of thing. Yeah, just, I like, have a couple from Montreal, a couple from LA. Uh, you know, one from Tampa. Um, uh, then I have uh, old one from Colorado times because I just want to keep it uh, as the memory. So you know, six, seven pairs, and it's a, it takes a lot of room. And those hockey bags doesn't look great in dress in a, in a garage. So my wife is really upset about it. But sure, you know, it is what it is. It is a part of me. Well, we'll auction one off for the Hope Rains Department one of these days. They make some money for uh, for the old charitable arm of the rain. All right, Peter. Well, we really appreciate you coming coming on, and uh, you're a returning guest. The last time you came on, we didn't really know what we were doing, and now maybe we've gotten things down a bit. But well, we appreciate you coming back.
Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. You know, it was just, it was a blast. So I'm glad that I was able to talk to you guys. It's, it's always fun to talk hockey and talk shop. It's always great. Okay. Thanks again to Peter Budai. Loved having him on. I want to go back to what we started with Zach, because it ended up starting a good conversation. And then we're going to get into this draft. It's going to be a good draft. Um, a lot of good names available, but the tipping thing, my general rule of thumb, and I started to get into it, but I have some others. The only one that I'm not, well, I'll tell you. So I said 10% on takeout, like they got to put it in the bag, the bartender, even if it's a normal, uh, normal time without, without uh, COVID and you, you don't have to take out so many places like the bartender has to take their time. They have to bag up the food. They have to get it ready. It takes some time for that. So 10%, I think is fair there. 20% dining in, right around there. Um, I never know what to do on delivery. So that is a challenge for me um, because I feel like 20% is usually too much for delivery, depending on what you pay. But also if I order a pizza, like I'm going to give them a five bucks or something. But sometimes that almost seems like too much. See, I never I'm, know what to do. I'm kind of with you there. Like on takeout and delivery, I'm more less a percent and more just like an add five bucks kind of guy. Like... Uh, if, it, if I'm ordering a couple pizzas, I'll usually just throw five bucks on it or whatever it is, yeah. you know, like you tip yeah. a five. It's not necessarily as if, if we had a massive order, which we don't, you know, if you're ordering a hundred dollars worth of stuff, it's different, but pizza is usually what, maybe 30, 40 bucks. If you get a couple, you throw a five on there for the delivery guy, delivery person only, not yeah. for, you know, that, it's for the delivery person. The I old think. haircut rule. Yeah. It, cost, and, you throw a five. Yeah. So I, I go back and forth. Um, on that, if I sit at a bar for like an hour, half hour, hour, I'll usually try to give around 25% because I think then you're taking up a seat. You're, if it's a good bartender, you're taking the bartender's time. You're sitting there with someone. Let's say I spend 30 or 40 bucks. I think giving six to eight for sitting. Now you're talking just drinks in this scenario, yes. not food. Yes. just Yeah. Drinks. I, I'm again, a flat, like I, I think a dollar a drink is fair maybe more if you're ordering expensive drinks, depending maybe one to $2 a drink for me. I don't think it's, you know, if I'm sitting at the bar, it's the size of the bar is not my, I didn't build it. You know, it's not, I'm not taking, I'm taking up space. Like it's not like I'm sitting there nursing one drink for three hours in this scenario. No, no you're I'm consistently not, not, giving them money, you know? Right. Well, you're assuming that that's the case. Yeah. I just, I think if you take up the space, if I'm using it because I want to watch a sports game or something, then I'm usually going to be, be good about that but that's another weird one i don't know i guess everyone's got their I see own. where you're coming from yeah. but I think I'm, you take I'm, up the space. now if i go to you mentioned the dunkin donuts thing because you work there um i don't have a problem with it but dunkin donuts subway any of these i do not think it's a necessity i don't go out of my way to do that now if i if it so happens it so happens but i i don't think that i think where they I, prepare the food in front of you you don't necessarily need to if i pay with cash i will Definitely leave the change. And if I have a single in my wallet, I will put in the single. That's and, and if I pay with a card, if I have a single in my wallet, I'll give it to them. If I don't, then unfortunately I won't. That's mm -hmm. kind of how I am there. Like, I think that's, I mean, you're not ordering more than, you know, a few dollars worth of food there or coffee. So yeah, I, if I can put a dollar in the tip jar, I will. That's a personal choice. Sure. Um, okay. But I, uh, when, when you go to the ones with the little iPad and they, you know, the suggestion, I, I, I don't like. It, I think it bothers everyone, but it's it does. Say, it does you, you got to do what you got to do, right? Yeah. yeah. The business. I, you appreciate the hustle, right? Yeah. Um, appreciate the hustle. 
All right, let's move along into our game, our draft, I should say. So Zach and I always coming up with new segments. We're always doing this for you. It's all about you. And we came up with a game. We went through, each of us alone, the list of prospects on NHL.com, North American, European, roundabout. I think we said four to 500 names on there. And we're each going to draft. We each get five names. So there will be 10 players taken total. And it's the 2020 NHL entry draft, all name team. Doesn't matter what, um, what the player, if they're good, where they're going to go. Maybe some of these might even go undrafted. You just don't know. Um, we are just going for the best names. Now, that can mean whatever it means to you, to me, Zach. I, I think we both are probably on the same page on a few of these. We're just looking for the best names. You, it's kind of like Minnesota. You go with the all-hair team. This yep. is the all-name team. So, uh, any questions before we start, Zach? No. I mean, you, okay. you explained it well, and they're all good. Let's, they're all good players. They're all, they're all, of, yeah. You get to this yeah, point, yeah, if you're yeah. on the CSS list, you're a good player. But, yeah, I mean, they don't. It's, it's not about, you know, this is not mock drafting the top 10. It's just the 10 best names in our opinions, which could differ, could differ they, a lot. They could. There is going to be some, I think, that we'll both want. And that's, you know, that's why. Um, that's why it's a draft, that's right? It's, it's a draft. So by, by coin flip before the podcast, we determined that Zach will get the first pick. It's not a snake draft. It is a, uh, it is a one, 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 one. And again, if any of these guys get drafted by the Kings, We'll get them on here one way or another. I don't care if they're the most boring guy in the world. We'll get them on here. So, they're Zach, on. Uh, the first overall selection, you're on the clock. All right. I mean, this this for me was an easy pick. Um, once I knew I got number one, I was very happy. You know, this was a clear number one on my list. It's Gunnar Wolf Fontaine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, ranked 211th in North America. I mean, Gunnar Wolf is the coolest name maybe ever. Yeah. Like that's so cool. If yeah, it, was it was number Gunner, one, uh, number one on my list. Gunner alone, Wolf alone, cool. You put them together, like Gunner Wolf. This kid, yeah. Hopefully, I, he's a stud. You but wonder, that, that's that's my you, number one overall yeah, player. You put yourself in the delivery room and you say like, "Oh, Gunner Fontaine, that's a cool name." And it's like, "Wait a second, honey. Wait, I got an idea. <laughs> Gunner Wolf. I mean, that yeah, that's a cool name. He's playing at Northeastern, so he's a hockey East guy, which just adds to it." Um, I really hope he gets taken. That's a cool name. There are not many cooler names than that. It would have been my pick if I had number one. And uh, I, but I, you know what? I think I got a pretty good one at number two. So see if, mine see if comes, we have the same rankings here we'll, too. We'll take a look. We'll take a look. So my first selection, second overall, it, the family loved their last name so much that they named him <laughs> the first name as well. I'm taking Ivan Ivan out of uh, well, he plays for Cape Breton. Number two, two on my of, board, too. Number two. Okay. I, I figured yeah. as much. Ranked 135 in North America, though he is a European player. Now, here's the best part about Ivan Ivan. I did a little research because I wanted to make sure it wasn't like Ivan Ivan. Right. Or, or right. it was a pronunciation that wouldn't make it at school. It is Ivan Ivan. And the coolest thing was I found maybe the best video I've ever seen in my life on YouTube. And I'm going to play a little bit of the audio for you here. We'll have Jesse uh, play some of the audio. The sponsor ad at the beginning of this video, which was made by somebody, somebody who clearly covers the Screaming Eagles or the, the QMJHL, is the best sponsor ad. Now, we don't do free ads on here, but right now we're doing a free ad because this is the best ad. So let's take a listen to, uh, to this ad at the beginning of the video. Deep Down Cleaning. 
your one-stop cleaning outfit for deep down results. Ivan Ivan. That is maybe the best ad. Deep down cleaning, cleaning, deep down cleaning of Cape Breton is maybe the best cleaning ad, best cleaning service. I would use them over anybody else. Deep down. That is a great ad. We got to get them sponsoring for the rain. I, they need to start franchising. I would invest. That is the best ad I've ever heard. Incredible ad. You know, before, before an, an interview with some good Easter eggs in there as yeah, well it, that yeah. you pointed out. Yeah. I, I showed you the videos like this video is excellent. I I'll post it so you can at least see the sponsor. But take a look. Ivan Ivan clearly English isn't his first language and credit to him. He is standing in there for the interview answering everything the best he can. Like I, I tip my cap to this kid. Put in a terrible position, yeah, but in my it, opinion, the, not, not, not to go after anyone, but I mean, uh, to put, to put the kid in well, that. You know what? He's a top prospect. Challenging. You want to talk to him, but he just was doing his best. The microphone that's put in front of his face looks like it was found at the bottom of a dumpster. The, uh, <laughs> there's, there's a referee in there that has my name on his back and the number 69 he's wearing, which is always hilarious. So there's just, the video is just chock full. Go check it out. I'll post it on Twitter after this airs, but deep down cleaning, we got to get them as a sponsor for the rain deep down. I love it. I love everything about it. Ivan, Ivan, second overall, Zach, who you got? Number three. All right. Third overall, I'm going to go on the European side. First European pick of the draft. If you count Ivan Ivan's North America, I'm going to take Hugo Stiff, ranked 88th overall. Hugo, Hugo Stiff. Stiff. What a name. Um, I mean, uh, that he should have been ranked. Nah, I'm not going to say it. Uh, Hugo Stiff. Uh, I think Swedish defenseman is going to be my pick here. That's third a, overall. That's a good name. Now, okay. This is where it gets interesting. because you, you have I Hugo have, Stiff on the board? I didn't have Hugo Stiff on my oh, board. Oh, I, I, wow. I think I've got some names. I'm going in a different direction. Um I'm nervous that you're going to take this guy. So I'm going to take him number number two. And this could be a reach because I got a lot of other names that I want. But I'm going to take North American playing in the USHL. Number 61 overall, he's ranked Alex Laferriere. Now, this <laughs> is the reason I'm taking this guy. This is the guy where you tune in a little late to the draft. And all of a sudden, you're in, you're in you know the late second, early third round. You're like, Lafreniere fell to us. It gets you excited. Alex yeah. Laferriere. It sounds just like Alexis Lafreniere. It, it's very close. This is the guy that gets you excited for that one little second. And maybe, hey, you know what? He's ranked pretty high, so he could be a great player. But this is this is um, this is the name doppelganger that kind of throws you for a loop with the uh, so number one ranked guy. I had him as an honorable mention because I was going to, you know, do a similar reason. He's the guy that you try to like, oh, you fool your fans into thinking you actually got Lafreniere, but you actually got Laferriere. Same first name, kind of, which is just like so funny. It's just like a, it's just like a knockoff almost. And it could, good prospect too. This is maybe a second round pick, you know, for a team, but I I had him as kind of an honorable mention as, you know, a fun little thing afterwards. So a good, a good one. I think it's a good one for that. Only in this draft is that a good pick. Sure, great. Excellent. But, Who but you got number three? Draft. I'm going to take the 25th ranked North American skater, Damon Hunt. So the way it is spelled makes it look like he might actually be Demon Hunt. Yeah, I think I saw So that. like Demon Hunt. I mean, if you got a guy who's like, what? what? Yeah, demon, he hunts demons. That's a pretty cool pick. Yeah, that's it. That's so a he's a, maybe a guy the Kings could target as a, you know, an early second round pick, or if they trade back into the first, could Demon Hunt be playing in Ontario? 
I don't know. You we'll never know. See. You never know. Okay, so for my next pick, I'm going to get our first goaltender off the board. Oh, okay. Out of Europe. I don't know if you had any goalies, but I saw I one that I love. And, and I think it's Callie. I don't think it's Cal, so I'm sorry to him if I'm saying his name wrong. Name wrong. Callie Clang. That is a great goaltender name because this is a guy who's got the, you know, the, the pipes are the best friend of the goaltenders, the bar. Clang. Like is the best thing you could ever hear if you're a goaltender. If that puck gets by you, you want to hear that clang of the iron. And this goaltender has it in his name. I think that he is going to lead the league in pucks that get by him and hit either the crossbar or the pipes. I think clang is is going to do excellent in that category. I think you might as well give him a save every time it hits the pipes because they're one and the same as far as he he is concerned. Beats clang and clangs. There's That's a lot right. of lot of good stuff for for a broadcaster to use oh, with yeah. this uh, with this young man. Big time, big time, yep. big broadcaster pick. All right, yep. uh, what do we have? Two picks left each. Two to go, two each. So we're pick seven overall. I'm going to take the 150th ranked skater, Bear Hughes. Um, just, the guy's name is Bear. Um, yeah. lot, big animal theme Gunner here. Wolf. We've got yeah. Gunner Wolf. We need Bear as well. Um, just just creating a zoo here. Um, so that, that's, I think it kind of speaks for itself. Bear Hughes. It's a pretty, it's a cool name. It's not the most creative, no, yeah, not the most like well thought through like a couple of years, but Bear Hughes. I mean, it's just yeah. a, it's a cool name. There's a lot of puns that could be used from a guy named Bear, I sure. think. So we're Absolutely. going Bear Hughes here. Yeah, I like it. No, that's a good pick. So for my, uh, fourth pick, I'm going to take a guy who I think is going to be a captain in the NHL by the end of his career. His name is Zade Wisdom. Now, your last name is Wisdom. You're going to be a captain. That's a captain's name. I don't know which team he's going to get picked by. I don't know how long it's going to take him to get to the show, but he is going to be the grizzly veteran by the time he's like 25. He's Wisdom. He's going to have a C on his sweater, not an A. He's going to be wearing a C wherever he plays. You have a guy with the last name Wisdom. He's a guy you want in the locker room. He's been there before. He's seen it all. Zade Wisdom now, is my fourth. Are you working in current storylines into this pick? Did you see, you know, that Zade Wisdom, recent winner of an award, which best exemplifies excellence through strength of character, competitiveness, and athleticism? Look just at came that. Into I my didn't email. even look him up. I just saw the name before we recorded. This came into my inbox. Wow. Zade Wisdom won the EJ McGuire Award of Excellence well, from the it's, NHL. It's for no those surprise. So there you go. I I don't know if they were just going off name alone. They might have had better, you know. So did I, steal, did I steal your fifth from you then? You didn't. You didn't. Um, okay. I wasn't going to take Zade Wisdom, though it, it is a great name. Um, I'm going to go with Themo Nickel here, the 74th yeah. ranked North American skater. We're going to add Themo Nickel to the squad. Um, just kind of a, a cool first name, cool last name situation. Probably pronouncing this name wrong to make it sound cooler, but Themo Nickel is yeah. going to round out the squad. Not a bad one. Okay, so for my final pick, I'm going with a player that I am nicknaming the European law firm. His name is Ole Julian Bjorgvik Holm. So I, I'm a big Patriots fan. They used to have a running back named Ben Jarvis Green Ellis, and they called him the law firm because he had four names. It was like a, it was just, it was a firm. This is the European law firm, Ole Julian Bjorkvik Holm, actually the Norwegian law firm, maybe we'll call him. So yeah, that's that's going to be the nickname, the Norwegian law firm. I love it. I love the long name. He should be drafted. He's, he's ranked 116th overall out of the European skaters. That's rounding out my club. Um, I, I'm very excited that he fell all the way. 
I I got five of my top six ranked players here, so I, I can't be too upset with that. Um, I also had a uh, Winter Wallace. Winter is coming, Wallace. Yeah, uh, that's pretty good. Cross Hanas. Yeah, that was a good one. Cross Hanas is good. Roman Faith, I had on the list, um, and Jeremy Biakada Budica, yeah. son of oh, an NFL job. running back. I don't know Very if that's how you say it, but his dad was Tim. Same last name, played yeah. in the NFL. <laughs> um, so I had a couple, a couple of honorable mentions as well. I had Primo Self, who yeah, well, he wasn't in was the, not eligible. Yeah. He was on the Elite Prospects database, not the Central Scouting database. Yeah, and oh, Dylan Robinson slash Dylan Robinson. Only one was ranked in NHL, but there are two Dylan Robinsons eligible for this draft. So I was gonna know which which Dylan Robinson did you no, get? I think you picked the right guys. Yeah, a few other names I like. Maverick Bork is just a great. Great hockey game, uh, mm-hmm. hockey name, excuse me. Um, and and Linus Loof, I uh, I liked that one. A twin, I think it's Leo and Linus Loof. Yeah, so you could have gotten both of them. Maybe the Loof. Do you get Loof a Loof or both Loofs? Ah. All right. So so a lot of good <laughs> names. If any of them get drafted, then we're getting them on the show. Um, a lot of uh, looking through these prospects for this draft. A lot of former NHLers, kids in this draft. There's a Langenbrenner. Um, there's an O'Coin there. Zach, you might be able to help me out. There's, there's a, a Brian Berard's son. Uh, Shane Doan's son. Yep. Shane Doan's son is in it. So there's a lot of uh, former NHL or kids, which makes you wonder, you ever think about like, is it in the blood or do these guys just know what it takes? And they pass that down. Like it Probably runs in families a lot. Some of both. Probably some of both. Yeah. Also probably not surprising, you know, you see a lot of athletes marry athletes. So it's probably right. a lot of these players probably have good genes on both sides. Right. Yeah. Well, that is um, a good call. I mean, there's gotta be something when, you know, two of Keith Kachuk's sons are outstanding players. Right. There's gotta be something there genes wise and the Sutter family. Players. right. Like there has yeah. to be something in, it's probably a little bit of both. Yeah. Did, did the stalls parents, were they athletes? I don't know. I don't know, yeah. but four four brothers who you know made it at least to the AHL. It's pretty impressive. Well, three of them basically NHL All Stars. So three NHL All Stars and they all All Stars. Yeah, and then the other uh, one all did. all four made the NHL at some point. Yeah, so. exactly. Three, yeah, so that's not, that's not a bad, not a bad, not a bad gene line. Not a bad parenting record, at least in yeah. the sports department. A lot of uh, a lot of early morning trips to practice. So okay, so those are our our um, all name teams. We'll keep an eye out. I, I guess. Um, here, since it's Thursday, should we add a bingo board? An all-name team player gets taken by the Kings. Should we add uh, that on there? We're gonna we're gonna have to add that in. That's a yeah, good one. I mean, let's talk to Matt before that thing gets finalized. Yep, then. we'll yeah. get that in there. Okay. All right. Very good. So uh, we'll we'll post our all-name teams um, at some point here. You'll have the bingo board. It's Monday right now. We should, if it's not out right now, it'll be out tonight. Um, I'm gonna, you know. We'll put a little fire under Matt, make sure. But I have a feeling it'll be done by Sunday. That's usually his uh, MO. So you good, Zach? You happy? You happy with everything? You excited? Good episode. Excited about the all-name draft. Excited to hear these players drafted. Yeah. Um, And most of all, excited to see, you know, the Kings add several young young prospects to to an already excellent prospect pool. Oh, by the way, there is going to be a square on the bingo board that is – about a UNH player getting drafted or a UNH commit. There's really only one. 
It's Luke Reed. So if you hear Luke Reed, you get to knock that square off. He is uh, committed to the University of New Hampshire. Now, plenty of players have been committed to the great program and have decided to go somewhere else. So I don't know. But if he gets picked, that's your one. If he doesn't get picked, then you can't fill out that square because I really don't think there's anybody else. Uh, is, uh, is Max Gildon's brother in the draft? Yeah, he is. But Pretty he's, sure he is. He's right? an OSU guy. He's, Do you want to count him? as he? I mean. No. No, I okay. don't want to count him. All right. I mean. Uh, UNH produces like a draft pick every, you know, five years. Figure okay. maybe his brother okay. would, would count. I don't know. Okay. They, they do a little bit. I don't understand why he didn't go to UNH. I don't understand why all these, like the, would everyone just follow what the Van Riemsdykes did? Just do what the Van Riemsdykes did. Everybody should go to the school. We've had a lot of brothers of, uh, you know, obviously if you play D1 hockey, I'm not putting anybody down. They're all great. But like Joe Pavelski's younger brother went, uh, Phil Kessel's younger brother, Blake Kessel went like, Great hockey players in their own right, but they're not, you know, Phil and Joe Pavelski. We're talking about all stars. So a lot of brothers go. I want the whole family. We want the whole family coming to UNH. It's a family affair. It's a great family school, great program. So Luke Reed, if he gets picked, you get to mark that square off in your bingo board. Um, I think that should do it for us. Zach, I want you to enjoy the draft. I want you to have a great time watching it. And uh, and I'm looking forward to hearing your report back on, uh, on, on the LA Kings selections. I know that I'll be, uh, I'll be very excited to hear your expert analysis. Me too. All right. We'll talk to you next time. See ya.